This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. This podcast brought to you by My Patriot Supply. Did you miss the chance to get a 72-hour emergency food supply with free shipping for just 10 bucks? What's wrong with you? Don't worry. Call 888-411-7440 right now. They have a few left, and they're selling out fast. 888-411-7440. What are you waiting for? A disaster? Do it right now. 888-411-7440. And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier, and thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards, your host. Hope that you have had a very Merry Christmas and are uh, getting ready to have a Happy New Year as well. Coming to you uh, tonight from the kitchen table, Miss E is uh, off this evening. She's actually uh, taking a week of vacation, as am I, from... uh, uh, NRA News, Cam and Company, but uh, we did want to have a, uh, a 40 acres in a full, especially since we had to miss a uh, week a couple of weeks ago. So uh, a lot to talk about uh, on the program this week, including uh, what's going on off the farm, but in the state of Virginia, where our Attorney General Mark Herring uh, has decided to end concealed carry reciprocity with uh, 25 of the 30 states that Virginia currently has reciprocity with. This has become a huge issue uh, in the state of Virginia over the past week or so. So we're going to discuss that on the program this week. We'll also get to some of your thoughts later on in the show as well. The email address, as always, is 40acrefool at gmail.com. But I thought we'd talk a little bit about our uh, Christmas here on the 40 Acres this week. It was a good one. Um, It was a little bit different. It was the first time, I think, ever that uh, our oldest daughter did not make it home for Christmas. She was uh, traveling. She, she had dispensation. It was, it was fine, uh, but it was different not to have her around. Our oldest son did come home, uh, and his girlfriend came along as well. Uh, they got here on Christmas Eve. They left uh, Christmas night. So we did have a full house. We had four of the five kids here. They actually slept. It was amazing. They slept until 8 o'clock in the morning, even my 10-year-old's. When I was 10, I would have been up at like 4.30 in the morning, but uh, they managed to sleep until 8. So we had a lovely, leisurely Christmas morning, and uh, it was a very uh, a very literary Christmas for me. I uh, got a couple of t-shirts from the Chive, which was actually one from the Chive, one from uh, Eskimo Joe's in, in Oklahoma, in Stillwater, Oklahoma. But I got a lot of books, a lot of used books, <laughs> old books, books that are out of print uh, that... Uh, very few people have heard of anymore. I have this habit as I read, if I'm reading a book and the author references another book and that book sounds interesting, I'll make a note of it. And I have a wish list at uh, abebooks.com, abebooks.com. And so for uh, Christmas, I was just able to give Missy e this list and say, hey, here you go, go to town. I want you to pick a couple of these uh, uh, used books for me. And I, I'm, I'm fascinated by history. If you uh, listen to this program, you listen to NRA News Cam and Company, you know that. One of the things that I've discovered I really enjoy doing uh, when I'm reading about a time period in history is I like going back and not reading just history books about that time period, but I also like reading the books that were written as sort of current events uh, books during that time period. Uh, you know, when uh, maybe the best example of this is Witness, 
uh, by Whitaker Chambers came out in, I think, 1951. Uh, he had testified before Congress in 1948. That was when he accused uh, Alger Hiss of being a communist. And then you had the uh, uh, the trial, and ultimately uh, Hiss was convicted of perjury and uh, went off to prison, and then uh, Whitaker Chambers wrote his book. So this was a, I mean, it's still around. It's still in print. In fact, uh, it, you know, not long ago had its uh, 60th, uh, anniversary edition, I think, published by uh, Regnery. Um, but, you know, the time that it was written, it wasn't necessarily written to be a a timeless classic of conservative uh, uh, thought. It, it was a, you know, current events book. Uh, so I, I got a couple of those books, actually in that same genre, the uh, I was a former commie genre that was really popular in the early 1950s. So Elizabeth Bentley, who was another former communist, who uh, led a spy ring in New York. Uh, her book was called Out of Bondage. I uh, received a copy of that for Christmas. Also a uh, fella named Harvey Matuso, who sounds like a fascinating guy. I'd love to learn more, actually, about uh, uh, Harvey Matuso. But Harvey Matuso was a guy, another former communist, uh, a little bit younger than Whitaker Chambers and Elizabeth Bentley, uh, was a communist a little bit later than Whitaker Chambers and Elizabeth Bentley, uh, post-World War II from, uh, I, I think, 48 to 51. And then he became, uh, in essence, a, a paid expert witness. He had, uh, he had gone to the FBI back when he was uh, a communist and he was working at a communist bookstore. Uh, and he served as an informant for the FBI for a couple of years. And then he, uh, he, he went public and uh, gave a lot of testimony about uh, the, the, the Communist Party and the, uh, the youth movement and uh, earned, you know, quite a bit of coin for a couple of years doing this and, and being the sort of paid expert witness. And then he um, recanted uh, some of his testimony in a, a sworn affidavit, uh, said that he had lied under oath and uh, an individual was indicted. Um, Harvey Matuso ended up writing this book called False Witness, obviously a take on uh, Whitaker Chambers' witness. He ended up going to prison for a couple of years for uh, perjury, got out, and was one of those figures who um, never really uh, recaptured his 15 minutes of fame. Uh, people on the left didn't trust him, uh, and, and a lot of them uh, didn't uh, uh, ever forgive him for uh, for, for lying. Uh, people on the right uh, didn't uh, trust him, didn't like him all that much, thought that he had uh, perhaps sold out the uh, movement. Uh, he, I think he was married like a dozen times, he ended up uh, passing away in 2002, became a Mormon uh, in uh, later years, moved to Utah, started a, I think started the public cable access channel uh, in uh, a city in Utah, and ended up uh, passing away in Connecticut uh, in 2002, back when he was in his I think late 70s or early 80s. So this book, False Witness, which came out in 55, uh, was another one of the books that uh, arrived under the Christmas tree. And I uh, just polished it off earlier today. It was a very quick read. And and really, really, you know, it's certainly a different side to the genre of I was a former communist. Um, because this was the guy who said, not only was I a former communist, but then I got involved with McCarthy and I really liked the attention, and I really liked the notoriety, and I liked being on the front page of the paper, and I liked getting paid $300 to go give a speech, uh, which in, you know, 1951 or 52, wasn't bad money. 
uh, especially if your expenses got covered. I mean, he was a he was the equivalent of a Twitter celebrity uh, or a social media star, somebody who uh, had their 15 minutes of fame and uh, didn't really care apparently uh, about uh, the lives that uh, that he was ruining and the lies that he was telling. Uh, now that doesn't mean that uh, there wasn't a, again a uh, organized uh, communist apparatus that was actually directed by the Soviet Union that was operating within the United States. Actually, there there was, uh, and so the final book that I'll uh, talk about that I got for Christmas uh, was a book that came out ninety five or so, and it's written by. Uh, a couple of individuals, um, one, I think, uh, is a, a professor at uh, Emory University. Uh, one was a uh, uh, researcher for the Library of Congress, and then one was a, a Russian uh, researcher. And so they actually had access to some of the uh, KGB and the Comintern files after the uh, fall of the Soviet Union. And so they were the first researchers to really go through and look at the uh, the the Soviet uh, influence and direction of the Communist Party of the USA and the above ground CPUSA and then the underground uh, Communist Party and so this book is called the Secret World of American Communism and uh, as I said it came out in ninety five it was the first of several volumes uh, the second was called the Soviet World of American Communism and then they also uh, wrote a book about the Venona. Uh, files that uh, came out a few years ago as well. Um, really, really academic. There's a lot of source documents that uh, are reprinted. Uh, so it's it's you know a lot of documentary evidence and then a little bit of narrative, and it's uh, it's kind of dry and hard to read. But it does give you a good overview of uh, really you know what what was going on between the. Uh, the, the, the communists here in the United States and the Soviet Union, going back to the 1920s and the 1930s. And I'm just fascinated by uh, that time period in history. I just think that, uh, uh, you know, you can, you can trace back the roots of our modern uh, political uh, ideologies, I think, uh, to that time period and to the uh, Great Depression and to the New Deal and uh, those who oppose the New Deal and so I have been geeking out on my uh, history, thanks to the uh, the presence from Missy e and the kids. Like I said, I hope that you uh, had uh, just as good as Christmas as we did. Besides, the uh, the family was here. Missy e made a fantastic turducken, uh, and it was delicious. The stuffing was so much better than it was at Thanksgiving when it all got a little burned. Uh, mashed potatoes and gravy. I mean, the table was full. Parker House rolls. Uh, we are still eating the uh, Christmas dinner leftovers, and it was just a uh, a wonderful, wonderful day spent with my uh, family, and I hope that yours was just as good. All right, we do need to take a quick time out. When we come back here on this edition of 40 Acres in a Fool, we're going to talk about the not-so-wonderful things taking place in the state of Virginia, where the Attorney General has decided that uh, concealed carry permit holders from outside of the state are apparently one of the biggest threats to public safety in the Old Dominion. Stick around. We've got more 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network coming up right after this. You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.
This podcast brought to you by My Patriot Supply. Did you miss the chance to get a 72-hour emergency food supply with free shipping for just 10 bucks? What's wrong with you? Don't worry. Call 888-411-7440 right now. They have a few left, and they're selling out fast. 888-411-7440. What are you waiting for? A disaster? Do it right now. 888-411-7440. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards with you. Bullet the uh, Wonder Dog is uh, not too far away. Laying down, you might hear some snoring here before long. So I mentioned before the break that uh, Virginia's Attorney General Mark Herring uh, has done something that has raised the eyebrows and the ire of a lot of gun owners, not just in Virginia, but around the country. The uh, Attorney General decided that he was going to end the reciprocity agreements, the uh, concealed carry reciprocity agreements that Virginia has with 25 states around the country. Uh, there are a handful of states that uh, Mark Herring decided to uh, to keep reciprocity agreements in place with, including uh, West Virginia, but the neighboring states of Kentucky and North Carolina and uh, Tennessee as well, uh, no longer Will, will Virginia recognize those states' concealed carry licenses? And already, uh, half a dozen states uh, have decided, well, they're not going to recognize Virginia's concealed carry permits anymore either. I, I have to say, I, I'm, I'm, I've been thinking about this for, <laughs> well, days now, and I can't come up with the public safety reasoning uh, for this, I know that uh, Mark Herring, the Attorney General of the State of Virginia, said at the time that, uh, well, listen, you know, some of these states they don't have the same uh, uh, provisions that Virginia does, so they could let uh, uh, awful people get a concealed carry license, and then that awful person could come to Virginia and uh, could could legally carry a a gun, and so uh, we're gonna we're gonna uh, through executive action uh, ensure that that can't take place. Here's the problem with that. Um, Virginia is an open carry state, and you don't need a concealed carry license to uh, to openly carry a firearm in the state of Virginia. Uh, so those individuals, this doesn't actually stop anybody from carrying a firearm in the state of Virginia. It may stop individuals from legally carrying a concealed firearm in the state of Virginia, but they could still openly carry if they wanted to, if they still wanted to come to the state of Virginia and spend their uh, vacation dollars here, for example, they could. I don't know how many of them will want to, but uh, but they could. So this doesn't actually prevent anybody from carrying a, a firearm legally. Uh, think about who we're trying to target here: those out-of-state concealed carry permit holders, those individuals who are, by and large, far more law-abiding than the general population. That's who we're trying to prevent from uh, illegally carrying a firearm in the state of Virginia. Now, Attorney General Mark Herring couldn't point to a single crime, hasn't pointed to a single crime committed in the state of Virginia by an out-of-state concealed carry permit holder. Frankly, I don't think that he could point to a single case. Uh, Maybe there's one out there. I don't know. That's probably all that there is. One. So what's this all about then if it's not about public safety? I mean, it's pretty clear this is about... Uh, uh, pushing the anti-gun agenda uh, wherever possible. And I would expect that in the new year, we're going to see other states, um, particularly those with anti-gun attorney generals, 
take similar steps to uh, remove reciprocity agreements with uh, other states. Now, this might have the net result federally of uh, spurring action on a National Right to Carry Reciprocity Act. I can tell you in the state of Virginia, locally, uh, this has spurred a couple of different reactions. So the day that after this was announced, I got a lot of calls uh, from gun owners and friends in the area who just wanted to know what was going on and what this meant and what could be done. Um, now, as for uh, what, what it meant, I said, you know, listen, this goes into effect February the 1st. It means that you're not going to be able to, uh, if these states don't recognize Virginia's reciprocity or don't recognize Virginia's concealed carry license, it means that you're going to have trouble legally carrying outside of the state unless you get a, a non-resident permit for the state of Pennsylvania, for example, something like that, if you're going to PA. Uh, what can be done about it? I said, well, you know, talk to your state assembly person, talk to your state senator, um, because when the legislature comes back in uh, in January, they may, in fact, uh, try to act on this. And it looks like, in fact, the uh, legislature in Virginia will try to act on this. Now, how successful they'll be, I don't know, honestly. Um, the assembly isn't going to be the problem. The problem is going to be in the state Senate. But uh, I, I will say this. There are, uh, again, there are a lot of gun owners in the state of Virginia uh, who are represented by Democrat state senators. And in fact, Virginia is one of those states that still has uh, pro-gun Democrats in the legislature. So uh, you, it's not a matter of just counting R's and D's here. And uh, I think a lot of this has to do with um, uh, uh, yeah, the uh, communication that uh, these state senators are receiving uh, from their constituents who are bothered by this. You, by the way, you don't have to be a gun owner to be bothered by this. Uh, you don't, I suppose you probably should be somewhat supportive of the Second Amendment to be bothered by this, but even if you don't really care, you should still be bothered by this because this is one of those quote-unquote do-something measures that doesn't actually do uh, anything to make us safer. As a matter of fact, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of shocking to me that the Attorney General and the Governor uh, of the state of Virginia don't really want to talk about the fact that violent crime in the state uh, is near a 40-year low. And uh, as I uh, record this, homicides in uh, Richmond, Virginia are lower than they were this time last year. Let's hope that uh, uh, we end the year on that note. But Virginia is a very safe state. We actually, uh, again, this may be the safest that uh, Virginia has ever been. Uh, in terms of violent crime. Now, there is a growing problem in the state of Virginia, uh, and that problem is not violent crime. That problem is drug overdoses. We actually had, in the state of Virginia in 2014, uh, more, almost twice as many drug overdose deaths uh, as we did homicides, all homicides. We had more drug overdose deaths than traffic fatalities in the state of Virginia uh, in 2014. And again, that number is growing by leaps and bounds over the uh, last couple of years, our Attorney General uh, apparently has decided that, uh, you know what, uh, all, all the consultants are saying that it's, uh, it's, it's safe to talk about gun control. we got to talk about gun control this election cycle and uh, apparently wants to be a, a good foot soldier in the uh, anti-gun uh, political fight. I just, to me, as a Virginian, yeah, I, I, I am a pro-gun Virginian. I am a pro-Second Amendment Virginian. I still, trying to look at it from a, a non-pro-Second uh, Amendment perspective, just from the 
uh, the perspective of an average and informed voter, I I still see this uh, hitting a false note here. Uh, this is not what uh, the people of Virginia are calling for. This is not what the people of Virginia are demanding. Uh, and frankly, the uh, the out-of-state concealed carry holders uh, are far from the biggest threat coming into the state of Virginia uh, from beyond its borders right now. And yet this is apparently the priority for uh, our Attorney General. So that's been our Christmas present uh, from our Attorney General. And I do expect that uh, politically... We're going to see uh, uh, very involved grassroots gun owners in the 2016 elections and the 2017 elections. That's the next time we have state elections here in Virginia. You know, Michael Bloomberg, former mayor of uh, New York City, spent over a million dollars trying to uh, uh, take the state Senate in Virginia anti-gun, and he was not able to do so in large part because of uh, pro-gun voters in the Richmond suburb of Powhatan. Well, I think we're going to see that replicated all around the country and uh, all around the state of Virginia, certainly, uh, in the next couple of elections. That's been something that I've been telling uh, all of my friends when they ask, what what can we do? I say, get involved. Let's get ready to uh, to get involved in the elections and let's do more than we've done. Let's reach out uh, as individuals to uh, 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 our friends, our neighbors, and uh, make sure that they are registered to vote, make sure that they are going to vote, and make sure that they are going to vote uh, for the candidates who are going to respect and strengthen and secure uh, our liberty and our freedom, not the ones who are interested in taking it away. All right, why don't we take a, a quick time out here on 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. We will be back, though, right after this quick timeout. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. All right, so, so just for, so we're clear now, too, the, the apps of the week now sometimes cost 30 bucks a month. No, the app is free. The service that the app provides has a cost. Are you a politician? What did you mean? Are you Paul Ryan? The, the app I'm cost. telling you, the app is fun. Who are you, Lindsey Graham? Who are you, Fancy Hands? Hey, what does the app do then aside from hands? The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday mornings, 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Coming to you from the kitchen table, it's 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards, your host. Still to come, we're going to get to uh, some of your thoughts. The email address, as always, 40acrefool at gmail.com, 40acrefool at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Cam Edwards. Uh, I am still... Posting a uh, tweeting a couple of tweets a day, even while I am on vacation. Also uh, on Instagram at Cam Edwards, or you can uh, follow Miss E at Corny Goat Farm as well. And she's been getting a a ton of new Instagram followers, so thank you for that. And hopefully uh, you are enjoying the Instagram feed. It's nice because she's actually here uh, on the farm during the daylight hours when I am uh, usually. At work, and I was hoping, you know, we saw a fox a few days ago. Uh, was that fox was uh, not able to get one of our chickens, but it was going after the chicken. So the chickens have been cooped up uh, in their little pen, and they've got their run. So they've got plenty of space, and we're giving them chicken feed. So the the chickens are fine, but I prefer the chickens to 
uh, be able to run around whenever possible. And I really thought that this fox would be coming back here while I was at home this week. And yet, despite me uh, looking pretty regularly, uh, no fox this week. So the uh, chickens are still cooped up. Uh, Who knows? Probably Monday when I go back to work is uh, when Missy will actually see the fox again. But uh, I was hoping to be able to get a shot at it, but uh, so far, no luck. In the meantime, the uh, chickens do uh, continue to produce a prodigious amount of eggs. I mean, for nine hens, we're getting, on a uh, average day, about seven eggs. Some days we get nine. Uh, one day this past week we got one. But uh, our egg basket is overflowing right now. We have uh, we actually have too many eggs to eat. Missy needs to do some more baking. Uh, this is one of the the uh, New Year's resolutions uh, that I have this year. Is I want to ensure that we have a, uh, a a proper egg supply because we we were up and down last year. We uh, you know we started out with with probably way too many chickens than we actually needed, uh, and then we had the uh, great predatory thinning out of our flock and uh, and then we we had to supplement we had to get more chickens and i would just like to maintain right now the rooster to hen ratio appears to be good uh chip has nine different hens and he's really good with them uh he 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 keeps track of them when uh, one kind of wanders off he will uh he'll he'll chase her down and uh, uh, you know, get her back into the uh, the rest of the flock. He's a, a very good rooster. Uh, he's not aggressive towards uh, kids or humans like uh, one of the other roosters that we had. So the the chicken situation appears to be uh, copacetic right now. That's a that's a very good thing. The pigs are doing well. Uh, although I have to say, I was you know we moved them to their what I thought would be their winter pasture uh, just a couple of months ago. And they have torn this space up. I mean, probably a good fifth of it uh, is now devoid of of any vegetation whatsoever. And it is, uh, they've got their wallows that they've built. It is just a muddy mess because we've had so much rain and it's been so warm over the past couple of weeks. So a fifth of that space is just gone. And of course, that's the fifth of the uh, space that is closest to our house as well. Um, then you've got probably another uh, two-fifths that they have uh, largely eaten, um, and it's also their pooping field, right? So so they're not going to eat much more of that. So that leaves us about two-fifths of the uh, space that they are in right now as space that they are still noshing on and uh, you know are, are still working on. I don't think that that's going to get us through spring, quite frankly. So I'm not exactly sure where we're going to be putting the hogs uh, when and if we need to move them again in the uh, the next couple of months. So this is something that I'm, I'm sort of keeping in the back of my mind, trying to think, okay, where can we go? Uh, because if we move them uh, uh, back where... There's only a couple of places where we can move them. 
Um, we can move them where they used to live, but that's still a moonscape of dirt and mud because they've cleared that out. If we move them in the opposite direction, if we continue sort of moving them uh, south through the pasture, we're going to run into our orchard, and I don't want to move them into our orchard. So it's uh, it's going to require a little creativity on our part, I think, to uh, to move the hogs the next time we have to do so. The uh, the goats, on the other hand, they're doing fantastic. We've moved them into that big space that encompassed uh, all of the uh, the garden area from last year, and they have just devoured uh, all of the uh, overgrown vegetation. They have done a fantastic job of clearing out uh, and hopefully uh, providing some, some different uh, nutrients to the uh, garden as well. Uh, so we've just left them there. We had a couple of scrub trees that had popped up that uh, they've nibbled down to nothing. So the goats are doing fantastic. Splotches is still around. It has been, uh, it's really been too warm to do anything with splotches. And then we were, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to process a goat on Christmas. Um, so the weather is actually supposed to, to cool down. It's been so rainy. That's the other thing too, is that it's just been hard to find a, a cool, dry day. Now the weather forecast uh, is calling for sunny skies, highs in the low 50s, lows in the upper 20s. So getting up early one morning and uh, getting splotches processed sounds to me like something that is uh, easily doable. And we may end up doing one or more of the hogs uh, here before long as well. Just to that, that's one way I guess we could uh, deal with the where we're going to move them to uh, conundrum. We could just move them. To the freezer, I suppose that that that's always an option now that I think about it. So while the critters are good, the uh, the domestic critters are all good. The wildlife uh, appears to be doing just fine as well. We've got a couple of does that are hanging out uh, in uh, one of the pastures at night that I've seen. Haven't seen them during the daytime, unfortunately. Fox again hasn't been around. We are uh, uh, we've seen a return of squirrels. We were strangely squirrel free last winter, but uh, uh, the squirrels are starting to return to the front yard. We've uh, got rabbits that are hopping through the yard at night when I uh, take bullet out. So the uh, the wildlife doing quite well apparently and enjoying the uh, the warm weather that we've had so far. The uh, they're very very active, except for the fox who apparently is just. Uh, hiding out, listening to that stupid song about what the fox says. All right, we're going to take another time out. We'll be back with more 40 Acres in a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network right after this. 40 Acres in a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Fox Sexton. He's got a team that works with him specifically on keeping classified information secure, and that's all they do. He didn't set up some homebrew server. The guy just has an email account. Probably says, hey, Bob, I'll see you today for lunch. But the way this is reported, we're to think that, you know, this is just a commonplace thing now, so everybody does it. So you know what? Let's not hold Hillary accountable for this. She's not going to be. Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards returns now on the Blaze Radio Network. The last 40 Acres and a Fool of 2015. The last segment of the last show of 2015. 
Cam Edwards, your host, and again, thanks so much for tuning in to this edition. We will be back next week. Uh, we may have to take a week off in January. Uh, I've got a little bit of travel to do, but uh, uh, we should be good for the next few weeks here on 40 Acres in a Fool. Uh, now, I, uh, I said we were going to get to some of your emails. The email address is 40acrefool at gmail.com. Stephen wrote in. I think this is the first time that we've heard from Stephen. He says, love listening to you guys. You really need a longer show <laughs> or a more frequent show anyway. Uh, Stephen says, I know that's a lot to ask considering your busy schedules, but your down-to-earth and your tips is just a downright awesome show, guys. Please don't move away from the free form, says Stephen. I think that the spontaneity is a key ingredient that uh, just makes it work. Well, Stephen, thank you so much for that, sir. I really do appreciate that. And I uh, uh, know that we'll have Missy back uh, at the kitchen table here before long for more spontaneity and uh, more random conversations and more uh, tips. She's had a pretty good Christmas as well. Actually, I'll, 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 I'll tell you something. I don't know how she's going to feel about me saying this, but it might provide a... Uh, little bit of conversation the next time she's on the program so uh one of uh, her christmas presents was i got her an mp3 player because she has not had anything to listen to uh her music uh on uh and so she has been since she has the uh, mp3 player now she is uh she's been belly dancing again note the word again because yes among uh, miss e's many talents uh, is belly dancing. I'm sure that uh, some of the uh, perpetually offended would say that uh, this is cultural appropriation on the uh, part of Miss E, but uh, she's actually pretty good, I gotta say. She uh, took lessons for a couple of years and uh, did her, uh, her her amateur belly dancing troupe and um, probably could have gotten into it even more had she not had toddler babies at the time. But she's uh, she's been belly dancing uh, since we uh, celebrated Christmas. So how about that? We'll talk with Missy e about that maybe on uh, next week's program. Also, uh, Robin wrote in. Now, Robin is out in the Shenandoah Valley. And Robin says, uh, you know, Kim, you have a couple of distinct advantages to your farming situation. One, uh, you have a whole family to do work on your farm. Yes. Yes, theoretically. Although, uh, you know, children uh, sometimes are uh, as recalcitrant as mules uh, sometimes are, are about as helpful, well, not as helpful as you would like. Uh, and two, uh, Robin says, you have the primary farmer at home all day with her at-home employment. That is true, and that is a huge help, uh, Robin. Robin says, I'm it. I do it all, and I work in a wage job as well, so I depend on technology to help, and I love those fossil fuels. <laughs> Don't let anyone tell you that this warm Christmas has become of climate change. It's because of climate change, says Robin. Christmas, uh, back in my youth, he says, when they were warning of uh, global cooling, we had at least two 80-degree Christmases. Being so close to the jet stream can frequently make the difference between a warm winter uh, and a cold one. And uh, Robin says that uh, he wrote a local news uh, letter to the local newspaper uh, about uh, Attorney General Mark Herring's Concealed Carry Reciprocity Act. Good for you, Robin. Thank you for uh, speaking up. And for speaking out, Robin says, I still love the show. Merry Christmas. Well, Robin, Merry Christmas to you. And uh, no, you know, look, I, I don't think that uh, the weird, wacky weather that uh, we are having here is because of uh, global warming or uh, even uh, climate change necessarily. It, it is a weird winter, but uh, 
you know, frankly, uh, look, uh, we've, I remember a couple of years ago when it was a really, really snowy winter in uh, Virginia. Oh, it's snowy than normal. It's got to be uh, climate change. I, I'm not going to get into the uh, whole climate change argument. I just, you know, if everything is climate change uh, and everything is because of climate change, I actually saw some article, I think it was at uh, Slate or Salon, Salton, one of the two. Um, and it and it said, you know, we've seen what's what's uh, happening here before in the movie The Day After Tomorrow, the uh, the global warming movie. I, you know, I just hmm, that just to me seems to be a uh, a bit of a stretch. But but here's the thing: I, I will. I'm not I'm not even thinking about changing my carbon footprint until I see celebrities. Uh, bench their private jets. Here, here, here's when I will know that it's really, really serious. The year they cancel the Cannes Film Festival because they want to go green and they don't want uh, to, to hurt the environment by all of these uh, private jets flying over to Cannes for a film festival. When they cancel Sundance, uh, I'll, I'll start to take note right when they cancel the heck when they cancel the oscars uh and they just have some sort of you know simple luncheon ceremony without all the klieg lights and all of the uh broadcast trucks and all of the power and the uh the the just the burning of fossil fuels that go into put on an event like that when they start getting serious about the stuff that matters to them i, I will uh, start listening to them when they uh, say that I need to change my life. But uh, in the meantime, I got to say, whatever's going on with the uh, weather, I'm happy that uh, it looks like we will make it to 2016 uh, without any snow on the ground whatsoever in the uh, state of Virginia. I hope that uh, I'd be happy with the snow-free winter, quite quite frankly. I'd be happy if we didn't have uh, any days where the highs were below freezing and you spent uh, multiple th- times going out and uh, making sure that the uh, critters were okay and the water was not frozen uh, or uh, Robin uh, relying on uh, modern technology to make sure that the uh, the water doesn't get frozen in the first place. I would be happy with a mild winter. The wet winter, I'm not so thrilled about because uh, we have been inundated with rain and things are awfully soggy. But uh, you know what? I'll take the rain over the snow any day. All right, so before we go, uh, since this is the last show of 2015, I'm not big on New Year's resolutions, but I uh, I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's a New Year's resolution by another word. I do have plans for the uh, the new year and I would love to hear your plans uh in hopes for the uh, new year uh, again at uh, 40acrefool at gmail.com one of my plans uh for the new year is to not bite off more than I can chew in the garden that's one plan uh one of my other plans uh this year uh Missy and I have actually been talking about uh putting up a, uh, a little structure, a little cabin where I can write. And we want to actually wire it, uh, get a solar panel so it can be uh, wired through solar. 
Uh, probably not going to have a, a bathroom, although we might put like a composting toilet uh, in there. But I want to have my own little <laughs> Walden cabin, I guess, right, uh, where I can go off to the woods uh, and write because we just don't have space for me to have an office in the house, not until uh, at least one of the kids leaves, and that's going to be a few years. So uh, in the meantime, I would like to be able to have a place where I could go uh, and, uh, and and write and work and uh, we're we're planning on uh, putting in a, a little structure here, hopefully before the summer months. But uh, we'll see. And then I also have plans. We were we, these plans were not. Uh, we were planning on actually not acting on these plans. But uh, I, I think we're going to have to act on these plans a little bit sooner. Our driveway is awful. Uh, we have so many potholes and just chunks. Uh, missing from the driveway. We actually had somebody come out and take a look and uh, quote us a price. <sighs> that was, uh, it, 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 oh, it seemed uh, really high. I guess it's not. It, there's a lot of work that needs to be done, but uh, I have plans now to uh, fix our driveway so that you don't actually need a four-wheel drive to get to our house. The uh, uh, postal workers would really appreciate not bottoming out uh, on some potholes whenever they have to come down to the house. So those are a couple of the plans uh, that I have for the 40 acres. And again, I'd love to know what your plans for 2016. Hopefully they involve uh, listening to more of this program. But uh, we are going to sign off here. I'm going to go join Miss E. And we will talk to you again next week here on another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Happy New Year, everybody. We'll talk to you in 2016. This is 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.